Happy Father's Day. If y'all will stand, let's worship together. Come on, put your hands together. again for coming to worship with us. Y'all can take a seat.
y'all are in for a special treat this morning because we have a first in the history of Springwell. And by the end of it, y'all might be glad. Um, we might realize why we've never done this before. Um, what we're gonna do this morning is we're gonna have a dad joke battle, okay? Now, now if you don't know what a dad joke is, it is a joke, typically like one line, that most people don't think is funny. But if you're a dad, you're searching for humor and relief in any way you think it's hilarious. So what's gonna happen is our two contestants, Mr. Sam Parent, Mr. Daniel Lee, they have each been given a stack of 10 jokes that they have never read nor seen before. They have simply been Googled by yours truly and placed on a card. So what's gonna happen is one by one, each person is gonna turn over the top card, read the joke to the other. Now, every time the opponent laughs, that person gets a point, okay? And we're gonna see who can garner, this, this could take a while this time. We're gonna see, we're gonna see who can tally the most points because the stakes are really, really high this morning, okay? We have spared no expense on today's grand prize. We're playing for Slim Jim and Big League Chew. All right, y'all ready? All right, so our scores are clear. We do not need to tell who won the first one. And we are ready. Let's see, since last time we began with Mr. Sam Parent, this time we begin with Mr. Daniel Lee. Remember, the object of the game is to not laugh, okay? You, sir, take it away. Why did the man put his money in the freezer? I don't know why. He wanted cold, hard cash. <laughs> okay. Not our best, but okay. What did the ocean say to the shore? Nothing, it just waved. <laughs> That's a laugh. That's a point for Sam. Sam won. What did Daddy Spider say to Baby Spider? I don't know what. You spend too much time on the web. <laughs> Y'all get it because the, never mind. Okay. Wow, we got boos already. It took like five jokes last service to get a boo. All right. I gave all my dead batteries away today. Free of charge. How does a penguin build its house? I don't know how. It glues it together. <laughs> <laughs> That's a point for Daniel. <laughs> Yeah, y'all got to admit, that was legitimately funny. Okay. <clears throat> Did you hear about the man who stole a calendar? He got 12 months. I don't, was that, was that a laugh? Okay, we'll let that slide. Let, let's, let's face it, this is inexact, and we don't really care who wins. Okay. What do you call a fake noodle? An impasta. Mmm. That's what you call an overused dad joke right there. Okay. Or somebody that pre-Googled one or the other. I cut my finger chopping cheese, but I think that I may have greater problems. Cheese, cheese greater. Wow, tough crowd. Okay, next. What kind of shoes does a thief wear? I don't know. Sneakers. 
<laughs> That's very good. All right, your turn. I thought that was pretty funny. I'm sorry, nobody. I'm terrified of elevators. I'm going to start taking steps to avoid them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I that's cheating. All right. Why was the big cat disqualified from the race? I don't know why. Because it was a cheetah. <laughs> Nothing. I've also heard why did they stop playing cards in the jungle? Too many cheetahs. That's another. Why do crabs never give to charity? Because they're shellfish. <laughs> That's a point for saying. <laughs> I think I think the way you said because they're shellfish. Yeah, it was the delivery. Yeah, it was the delivery for sure. What do you call an elephant that doesn't matter? I don't know what. An irrelevant. Did you know that five-fourths of people admit that they're bad with fractions? <laughs> so that would be one and a quarter? Okay. okay. Want to hear a joke about paper? Sure. Never mind, it's terrible. Yeah. Uh -huh. That's one of my favorites right there. Wow. Want to hear a joke about construction? I'm still working on it. <laughs> <laughs> How much does a hipster weigh? I don't know. An Instagram. <laughs> See, I feel like that one's only appropriate for a certain demographic. Yeah. Not saying anything about. Never mind. Yeah. Yes. It's got myself in trouble. I need a password eight characters long, so I pick Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, we have two left. Two left and a, oh, Sam's winning. I thought it was tied, but who cares? Okay. What do you get when you cross a snowman with a vampire? I don't know. Frostbite. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a point for Daniel. That ties it up. <laughs> what do you call a man with a rubber toe? Roberto. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's pretty good. All right, last one. How many apples grow on a tree? All of them. <laughs> What's brown and sticky? A stick. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Man. All right, who, who won last service? Okay, here's your Kitty. Slim Jim. Thank you. And Big Lee Chew for being a, a tire. Y'all give him a hand. Their grand prize was not much. So who thought those were pretty funny? Anybody? The rest of you have no sense of humor. No, I'm just kidding. All right, so we haven't forgotten about um, the rest of the dads. We have a little prize to give away, a Cabela's gift card, okay? So if you could take out your little uh, blue ticket, and prepare to say, prepare to say, ah, so close, okay? Y'all ready? Let's see. Four, nine, one, nine, 
three, six, three. My own father. This was not rigged. Should we, should we redo this? I feel like. I feel like people are going to be going to be screaming that it was rigged. It was, it was not rigged, and I know I was disqualified, but they didn't say anything about family. So, um, we're going we're gonna to show a video in just a minute, but for those of you that didn't know, over this past week, we did um, our kids' camp. And each night, about 300 kids sat in the seats that you're in. We had over 20 kids indicate that they had accepted Christ or wanted more information about accepted Christ that we can follow up with. And so I, I say that because as we begin to continue in, in worship this morning, we're going to do so by, by giving. And like it's, it's, it's no question what we're giving to. We're giving so that people can, can find Jesus, so that spiritually thirsty people can, can find Jesus. But we're also giving from, from obedience, from a place of our heart to say, God, I, I trust you with that which means the most to me. And so as we give that which we know we have to have. There's something powerful about that in our worship for those of us that are believers to Christ. So we're gonna worship through giving. Um, if you are a regular here, you know there's many different ways you can give. You can give online, you can give at the kiosk, you can text the number that's about to be on the screen. If you're a first time guest, don't worry about giving. That's not why somebody invited you. That's not why um, we did all of this. This isn't about that. Um, but we worship as we give. Let me pray and then we're gonna pass the buckets. God, thank you. For, um, for fathers, thank you that no matter what our, what our picture of, um, of fatherhood looks like, whether it's um, a great father, whether it's an absent father, whether we're struggling this morning because of a lost father, God, thank you that you are a good father. God, that you provide the very best. You tell us in your word that if we who are earthly can be good fathers, then you're so much better than that. God, thank you for that. Lord, as we celebrate you this morning, we do so with worship, with worship um, in giving. And we don't just give from a have-to standpoint, but we give from a get-to standpoint because you've given us 100% of it. And we recognize that this morning. God, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you for the real ministry that happens here every week. God, thank you for 300 kids and for salvations. And God, for all of the things we get to see on a regular basis. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're on the left side of the road, there's a bucket under your chair. You can pass that to the right. Thank you all for being here.
your back Walking towards the airport Leaving a song in your past I traveled 1,500 miles to see you I begged you to want me But you didn't want to But piece by piece he collected me up off the ground where you abandoned things. Piece by piece he filled the holes that you burned in me at six years old. And you know he never walks away, he never asks for money, he takes care of me, he loves me. Piece by piece he restores my faith. That a man can be kind and a father could stay. And all of your words fall flat. I made something of myself and now you want to come back. But you're Give it up for Melvin. That's a great song. And it's a great reminder to us that sometimes our biological father may not be the person that we call dad. Whether it's an absent father or just a father that just couldn't be there for us. It's a good reminder that sometimes it's a stepfather, it's a grandfather, maybe an older brother, uncle, or just someone in the community that was dad to us. So we want to honor those people today, too, along with the dads, because they are truly dads as well. So if you are a dad in this place, would you right now just please stand?
We want to give you a round of applause and honor you. Come on. That's right. And so they don't feel awkward. They're all looking around. Y'all can stand with them. We're going to worship. Um, But you know, whether you had, come on, y'all can stand. Everyone can stand with them. Um, Whether you had a great dad or an absent dad, if you didn't have a dad growing up, we have a father in heaven who is that dad that can be there for us. He never leaves us, never forsakes us. And if you had a great dad, then believe it or not, God loves you even more than he does. So right now we're going to sing a song that talks about how much he loves us and gave up for us so that we could have freedom. So let's, let's sing this now. You unravel me with a melody. You surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemy till all my fears are gone. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child
you, God, that we can be that child, that you love us no matter what, and paid the price for us. Our Father chasm that lay between us, how high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name. Into the night Then through the darkness Your loving kindness Tore through the shadows of my soul The work is finished The end is written Jesus Christ, my living hope could imagine such great a mercy what heart could fathom such boundless grace the God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame the cross has spoken forgiven the king of kings calls me his own beautiful savior I'm yours forever Jesus Christ my living hope sing this out hallelujah praise the one who sent me It's grip on me You have broken every chain There's salvation in your name Jesus Christ, my living hope Sing that again Hallelujah Praise the one who set me free Hallelujah Death has lost its grip on me Salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Then came the morning that sealed the promise. Sing it out.
on, sing that out. And keep the morning that sealed the promise. Your buried body began to breathe. Out of silence, the roaring lion declared the grave has no claim on me. Jesus, yours is the Thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for the hope that we have. And just like it says in that song, the cross has said it. It's finished. And the King of Kings, He calls me His own. Thank you for that promise, God. That in the name of Jesus, there is salvation. God, we thank you for what you've done here this morning. We just thank you for your presence. And God, just be with Scott as he brings the message. Lord, just speak to our hearts, open our minds, and change our lives before we leave this place. In Christ's name, amen. You guys can be seated. Good morning. morning. I do want to say happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Come on. Thank you. I love being a dad. You've heard me say this. I, you know, I don't know, every Father's Day, every other, every other Sunday. I love, I love being a dad. Uh, two greatest gifts God ever given me is, is my two kids. And uh, honestly, I wonder sometimes, I really, really do. I think, I don't know what I taught them. I think it's what, uh, they continue to teach me. And, and the love that they give. Oh, my gosh, they've loved me. Uh, 
Hmm. <clears throat> That's my child. That's my girl. <laughs> They've loved me when honestly I've been unlovable and believed in me when I didn't believe in myself and uh, They've encouraged me. I love being a dad. I said this first service, probably going to get myself in trouble, but I'm going to say it again. Um, if, if, so if you're a dad and you, you don't know how to do it, um, let me know. I, I don't know what that would look like off the church uh, to say, you know, I, I need Scott to kind of help me through that. I don't, I don't know that I'm a great dad. I, I don't know that I would classify myself as a great dad, but I will tell you this, I love being a dad. And I think that anything that you love as much as I love, I love being with my girls. I love hanging out with them. I love being with them. And sometimes that means some cool things. Uh, some, sometimes you meet them where they are in their pain, and you love them through the pain. And, and sometimes you get to do crazy stuff. Like Katie and I last summer, we repelled on a 35-foot cliff that she forgot to tell me that we were going to do before we left <laughs> that, that day. And then there we are. And I said, where's the equipment, Katie? And she says, oh, there is none. So anyway, so anyway, being a dad is, is great. And if I could help you with that, I have no idea what that would look like. I really don't. But, you know, if you don't know how to do it, but you're interested in trying to, to know how to do it and to be better at it, call the church. Let me know. I, again, I don't have any idea what that looks like. I just opened up a big can probably. But I, I care that much about it. I care that much about you being a father. And I love being a dad. I just love it. And I think that you should love it too. Not that you're perfect, Daddy. You'll never be perfect. But um, that you, sh- you should love it. And, and I want you to be able to receive the reward uh, that I've received, uh, honestly. It, it's an incredible thing to be a dad. So I'm going to preach one of the most phenomenal uh, Father's Day messages you've ever heard at, at the book of Haggai. <laughs> you should see the look on your face. What? <laughs> yeah, we're going to finish up a series today. It's not a Father's Day message because, you know, I've been to church on, on Father's Day a lot over the years, and we always beat the dads up, don't we? Mother's Day, it's sweet, sweet mama, and, you know, a rose to the oldest mom, you know, a car to the youngest mom. I don't know. We give away stuff to mothers, and when you come as a dad, we just beat you up. We beat the snot out of you, tell you how sorry you are and all that kind of stuff. You're not going to get that today. You're not going to get anything. (laughs) So we're going to be in the book of Haggai. We're going to finish up a series that we started a couple of weeks ago, and if you weren't here, let me kind of catch you up. On those first two weeks. So in 587 BC, the Babylonians under the reign of King King Nebuchadnezzar wiped out Judah, wiped them out, annihilated them. And then to add insult to injury, they destroyed the temple. Now, this wasn't just any temple, this was the temple that Solomon built. David kind of, his dad, David kind of helped collect the materials, but David had blood on his hands and he couldn't really be the one to build the, the house for God, but Solomon did. and and it was phenomenal. It was absolutely phenomenal. But then they destroyed the temple. And it was a big, big deal for these guys. Because it was their identity. It was their spiritual identity. For them, this was the place. It wasn't just a temple. This was the house of God. It was the dwelling place of their God. And for God not to be there, they lost their protection and everything. It was a big, big deal to them. So, for five decades, the Jewish people were held in captivity. For five decades, they were held in captivity, and then they were finally allowed to, to go back and rebuild the temple. They were finally allowed to go back and to rebuild this house for God. And if you remember, they started really good, didn't they? Man, they started good. They laid the foundation, and they built the altar, and everything was looking good, and then they faced a little bit of opposition. <clears throat> and then they said, well, if, I, you know, if we're facing opposition, 
like God's timing must be off, you know? Like we, because with, with First Paul, First Paul, it says, with God, everything is easy peasy. That wasn't funny last week or the week before, and you still don't get it, right? So First Paul's not a book, and there is no verse that says with, things, with God, everything is easy peasy. But so they got discouraged, and, and, they, and they quit. And so God sent Haggai to say, come on, man, the time is now. Just because you face a little bit of opposition doesn't mean that you're not doing what God wants you to do. And so guess what? They started again. <laughs> it lasted for a month. And they quit again. And if you've, been, you know, if you've been here at all, you're thinking, dude, they're a bunch of losers, you know? And so, like, for, for they started the temple, and then they sat down and didn't do anything for, like, 16 years, and Haggai gives them the message to start back, and they get all excited. They start the temple again, and then after a month, they stop again. And they're starting to wonder at this point, is, 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 you know, is it even worth, is it really worth it to obey God? I mean, really? Where's the payoff, you know? I mean, where's the blessing in all of this? So with that context in mind, today I want to talk to you about a problem that I know I've struggled with over the years. Now, I want to take up for myself and say that I struggled with it, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't realize at the moment that it was a problem. I didn't know that this was a thing that I was doing. It's called, the problem is conditional obedience. Hello? Have any of you ever been there? You know what I'm talking about? Conditional obedience. In other words, you have this mentality, I'm in as long as everything's going good. Yay, God. I'm good, you know. I'm in as long as I am winning. I'm long as there's, there's not any opposition. I'm in as long as there's blessing and I'm conquering because we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us. But things get hard. Man, I don't know. I went through this in seminary. Karen and I sold our little house and we... Literally sold everything we had and moved off to seminary. We had about $10,000 in the bank. Two and a half years later, that $10,000 was gone, and we were in credit card debt to $2,500. Oh, and that wasn't because I didn't work. I had two jobs. Karen had three jobs. We were doing everything that we could, but we couldn't pay the bills. And i got to be honest, I got a little bit upset with God. I thought, God, I'm your man. <laughs> I mean, look at, look at me. I give away $10,000. I give it up. I put my life on the line. But guess what? I'm not winning. I'm losing. I went three months and couldn't make a, a, a rent payment. I was embarrassed. It never happened to me before in my life. And I got to be honest. At that point, I said, God, I'm not winning. I'm losing. And to be honest with you, you're looking pretty bad because I'm telling people. I feel like if I tell on you, you know what I'm saying? I'll tell on you a little bit, and then you'll jump. Oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't paying attention. <clears throat> Conditional obedience. In other words, the condition is this. I'm in as long as there's a payoff. It's the attitude. It's the attitude that I will give as long as I get. But when I don't get, I ain't giving. Conditional obedience. And maybe one of those areas that we really see this a lot is in the area of finance. Ha, aren't you excited? <laughs> we're going to talk about money just for a little bit. Don't get nervous. And we're actually going to talk about tithing. It's just getting bad, isn't it? Like on Father's Day, how could you? I showed up at church and he's talking about tithing. But it's one of those areas. It's just one of those areas, honestly, where I think that conditional obedience often applies. For example, we love God's promise in Philippians 4. 
Philippians 4.19, And my God, my God will meet all. He will meet all of your needs according to His riches, His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Come on. Woo! That's good right there, ain't it? Come on, don't you want to say amen? Praise the Lord. You want to rub that verse, don't you? I like that. God, you have, you, it's in your word. You've got to do it. You've got to meet my needs. Okay? We like the promise, but we don't always like the conditions. So like Malachi 3 is that go-to passage for us pastors. For those of us that are professionals and in the business, this is the verse that we like to go to and kind of hold it over you. So let me just kind of read it. Don't, don't freak out. It's going to get a lot better than you think. Malachi chapter 3, we'll start with verse 6. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, you're not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, let's just be honest, you've turned away from my decrees, and you've not kept them. Return to me. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. I think that's fair, don't you? Come on, let's just be honest. Doesn't that sound pretty? You return to me, I'll return to you. Hey, things are going to be good again. But you ask, how do we return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, are you kidding? How are we robbing you? He's sending tithes and offering. <laughs> You're under a curse. It's the only time in the Bible you're going to find this, that there's a curse literally attached to your finances. And when you don't give, you don't tithe, you're under this curse. And he didn't just say, you said your whole nation because you're robbing me. Now, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. There's the condition. The condition is what? You got to bring the tithe. You want me to meet all of your needs according to my riches and glory. Guess what? That's a promise. I will do exactly what I said I'll do, but there's a condition. And that means that you've got to bring the tithe into the storehouse. And then I love this. I love this. This is the only time in the Bible God, like, bows up, and he says, go ahead, test me. Put me to the test and see if I'm not true to my word. Test me says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there won't be enough room to store it. Come on, somebody said amen, right? Come on, don't you want to get a little Pentecostal right now? Woo! I will prevent the pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations, all the, listen, everybody is going to see Everybody that sees you will know you're my kids and to be one of my kids and to be, and to be obedient, to be faithful means I'm going to bless you. And they're going to look at you and say, God, you guys are blessed. It's crazy. For yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. I think we have selective listening. See, we love Philippians 4. We love when we get into the Malachi, I will open up the floodgates of heaven and you ain't even got a storehouse that will hold all the, all the blessings that I'm going to give you. We love that part. But then we get ticked off like when God doesn't do what he said he'll do because we haven't met the condition. We like one part, but not the other. So we have conditional obedience. 
In other words, God, as long as you're blessing, I'll give, but you quit. If I sense somehow that you're not like in the midst of my finances, you're not in the midst of my family, that you're not blessing me, then I'm tapping out. Conditional obedience. God doesn't give us options to consider. He gives us commands to obey. So as we pick up the story this week, I want you to remember that they had this attitude. Here's their attitude. God, we're in as long as you're blessing. I mean, we're in as long as there's some results. And so there at this point, they're going, I got to be honest. We don't see any results. They compared their start to Solomon's finish. They're a month into this thing, and they're tapping out again. They've quit again, and they've said, we just got to be honest. We don't, we don't look like we're winning. It looks like that we're losing. And if we're losing, then honestly, we just said, you know, we have this attitude that it's, it's, really not worth, it's really not worth it to serve you. There's no payoff. And I'll only give if I get. So they're discouraged. They want to quit. So Haggai, the prophet, God tells him to ask the priest a question. And this, they're just weird questions. I'm just going to be honest with you. They're just weird. A little freaky, a little weird. Uh, I'm going to try to unweird them for you to the best of my ability, and we're going to jump right in to Haggai. Verse 10, on December the 18th of the second year, and if you notice that he's always putting dates to everything, if you notice that, he wants you to know the time frame. On December the 18th of the second year of King Darius' reign, the Lord sent this message to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Ask the priest this question about the law. Here's the question. If one of you is carrying some meat from a holy sacrifice in his robes and his robe happens to brush up against some, some bread or stew, wine, olive oil, or any other kind of food, will it also become holy? And you're thinking, what? <laughs> what, in the, what does that mean? Every time when the priest would go to offer a sacrifice for the sins of the people, it was, this was holy meat, this was consecrated meat, this was holy meat. And so what he would do is he would put it up under his robe and kind of make a pocket, and so he's carrying this in his robe. And so here's what he says. He says, so like, you know, you've got this holy meat, and so like if you brushed up against something that was unholy, does, does the, your holiness, does the holiness of that meat kind of like rub off on other stuff that's not holy and make it holy? That make sense? That's the question. Does what you have that's holy, when it touches something else that's unholy, does it make it holy? And the, and the priest replied, no. No, it doesn't. So a modern example would be, like if I wash my hands and I, tur- I touch a dirty plate of full of spaghetti sauce, does the plate of spaghetti sauce come clean? I, like, I'm the world's messiest eater. I don't know how. I just have a talent. I don't know, I don't know what it is. I went to, uh, I think I saw him here earlier. I was invited to this beautiful dinner, and, it, and we went to, and I had to wear a suit. And so I wore a suit. I know it's hard to believe. I actually have one. So I wore a suit, and I was so conscious. I didn't want to get anything on my suit. And so literally, I wish I had somebody videoing me at the table. I'm at the table. I'm leaning way over the table. <laughs> this is true. And so I'm, I'm, doing, I'm doing, I'm so careful. And there was sauce, and I, you know, I'm, listen, I'm a fat boy. I love sauce. I don't care what kind it is. It's just better with sauce on it. Can I hear an amen? So, I got, so I've got it loaded with sauce, and I'm doing so good. I get done, I look, and I go, I'm good. I can't believe it. I looked at my tie. I said, I don't have any on my tie. I looked at my shirt. I don't have any on my shirt. I looked at my coat, and I kind of got my chest out right now, you know. 
And then I stood up and looked down, and I had it all over my pants. I don't know how I did it. How did it go? I don't. So the whole spaghetti sauce thing, you know what I'm saying? I resonate. Because once you get spaghetti sauce on something, throw it away. It's done. The obvious answer is no. The dirty plate will make your clean hand dirty. It would be cool if that was the other way around. Can you imagine? Forget your dishwasher. Throw it in the trash. All you got to do is walk around in the house, be healed, touching plates and stuff. We better move on. You can see right now we just better move on. So this is what he's, he's saying, and then he illustrates that principle. Here's what he says. Then I got to ask, if someone becomes ceremonially unclean by touching a dead person, and that's, this is an Old Testament law. You can touch a person that was dead. If you did, you become unclean, okay? It was a law. Then he touches any of these foods. Will the food be defiled? And the priest says, yeah, absolutely. So basically, here's what he's saying. He's saying that sin spreads easier than holiness. And all the parents said, amen, right? That's why you tell your kids, who, you ain't going to the movie with that person. I don't, know who, I don't know who you think you are, but you ain't going nowhere with her. You're not going anywhere with him, right? Because you don't want that sin, that bad character to rub off on your good child because we all know your child's perfect. Yeah, right. It's the corruptive power of sin. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 33. Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. My mama, the great theologian that she was, said it like this. If you lay down with dogs, yes. So you could say it like this. Sin is like spaghetti sauce. It stains everything it touches. Right, that's good. You write that down. Put that on Facebook this afternoon. I heard that Sunday, church. And then here's where the text honestly gets a little tough. It's a little tough. This is like one of those passages that we would probably just feel more comfortable if we just didn't deal with on a Sunday morning. And then Haggai responded. That's how it is with these people in this nation, says the Lord. Everything that they do. What? Everything that they do and everything that they offer is defiled. By their sin. Why? Because they didn't build the temple. God needed a house. He needed a house. He said, you know, heaven's pretty cool, but I need a house. And I need you to build me a house. And so they didn't build a house. I mean, they've been, you know, they waited. It was destroyed 50 years. And then they go in. They're going to rebuild it. But then they get a little opposition and they quit. They don't do anything for 16 years. And then, but, then, but then they come back. They get all excited. Enthusiasm It was what they had. And so they started again. And a month later, they quit. So God is like chapped at them because they didn't build the temple, right? That's it. No. It wasn't the temple. They had a heart problem. They had a heart problem. Listen, because this will set some of you free. When your heart isn't right with God, everything that you do will be wrong. And there's probably some folks saying, wait a minute, that, don't, I don't, that didn't make sense. I wasn't raised that way. I was raised, you just do what's right, you know? <laughs> you just tithe. We'll take your money. We don't care what your heart's like, you know? <laughs> okay, I was the only one that liked that one. Jesus said it like this. Matthew 5, he said, therefore, if you're offering a gift at the altar, I mean, he's talking about money. 
And then remember that your brother or sister has something against you. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer. Then come. Then come after that, after you've been reconciled. Then come, then, then offer your gift. So the point is, is if your heart's not right, it doesn't matter how much money you give. You can't buy your way to God. Money won't do it. Whatever you do is wrong. Parents, I think this will make perfect sense to you. Let's say you got two kids. And uh, kid one is just being obnoxious to kid two, picking on them. Kid one's probably a boy. Let's just be honest, you know. And so he's, he's, looked, at, he's looked at your other kid, and he's just like being nasty. And, and you look at that child, and you say, I tell you what you're going to do. You're going to go, you're going you're gonna to apologize. You go back, you tell your sister or your little brother, you go back and you tell them you're sorry. Now, let's say kid one goes back to kid two, and they, and they, they go, and as soon, they're standing there, and they're, they're rolling their eyes. Y'all seen that look, right? Rolling her eyes. Sorry. <laughs> Parents, let me ask you something. Does that count? It makes sense, doesn't it? No, it doesn't count. Because were you concerned that they did the right thing with the wrong heart? No, you want them to have the right heart, right? You want there to be a change of heart. You want that child to look at another child and to say, I'm legitimately sorry. I really didn't mean to cause you any pain or any hurt. I am sorry. God's more concerned about right actions flowing out of a right heart than he is about right actions flowing out of a bad heart. And this is just hard for us to get sometimes to understand. Especially if you were like me and somehow got a little bit of legalism filtered in. I thought God just wanted me to do the right thing. He didn't care how I felt about it. That's not true. So we need to understand that we don't obey God so that he'll bless us. This is why I struggle with prosperity theology. This is why I struggle. I struggle with the guy who says, you just need, you know, he goes to, to Malachi 3 and he reads that passage and you, if you give, then God, he's by law, he has to bless you. And so you give and then there's going to be a blessing. He's going to open up the floodgates. And the reason I struggle with that is I go, but that's never the heart of God. The heart of God is not that you just give so that, you know, okay, I give 100 and you got to bless me with 1,000. I heard that preacher, didn't you? On television, send me a $100 seed gift and it'll turn into a million. You know what? If you're broken, you're desperate, you'll try anything, won't you? What I struggle with is that what God wants is our heart. He wants us to love him. And out of the love that we have for him, that we give and that we do and that we obey. We obey God for who he is. We obey God because we love him and we want to honor him with everything in us. And then, he, then he says this. He said, look what was happening to you before you began to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. Y'all remember even chapter 1 if you were here that week. He named some stuff. He said, you know, you were making money but you're like your pocket had holes in it. Then he, he says this, he said, when you hope for, for 20 bushel crop, you harvested only 10. You expected to draw 50 gallons from the wine press and found only 20. So it's, it's like, wait a minute, it's a bad deal. It's like you got that job, and they said, 20 bucks an hour. We're going to pay you 20 bucks an hour, and you're excited, you're, you're pumped up, you're going to celebrate, but then you get your first paycheck. You get your first paycheck, you look at the hours that you worked, and then you look at the money, and you go, wait a minute, it's not fair. Have you ever been there? 
Then he says this. This is, this is like the hard part, really, really hard part. I sent blight and mildew and hail to destroy everything you worked so hard to produce. Ouch. So God says, you know what? You're working your rear end off. And I'm going to send blight and hail and mildew. I'm going to destroy everything that you're working your rear end off to accomplish. Why would, why would a loving God do that? Because he's mean. Right? He's, he's mean. And, and we didn't obey until he's out to get us. And if you don't do what he says, he'll zap you. What kind of God is that? But he says this. He says, even so, even so, you refused you refuse to return to me, says the Lord. But that's it. It's not about punishment. It has nothing to do with punishment. You're missing it. it had nothing to do with punishment. God says, I love you so much that I will send at times calamity into your life, not to punish you, but to draw you back to me so that you will see where good gifts come from. Good, good father who loves you and he's crazy about you. He doesn't want to punish his people. He's trying to restore his people. That was his goal. Now, this is a little bit like, you know, I'm on thin ice here, and it's, it's tricky from a theological standpoint. I'm, please hear me well, because I, I was somehow raised to believe that every time something bad happened to me, that it was God getting me. And if you live my life, I mean, nobody had to beat me over the head with the Bible to tell me I was a sinner. Hello? I knew it. You know what I'm saying? I went to church. I was guilty when I walked in. Who are we kidding? I was guilty. I was guilty when I got up that morning. I didn't even want to go to church. I knew what it was going to be. I knew that I was going to be overwhelmed with condemnation, and I would walk in under that condemnation. And my thing was, I'd heard too many, you know, God is going to get you. I don't want you to hear that. Every time something bad happens to you, it's not that God's out to get you, necessarily. But we need to understand that God sometimes may allow something bad with a purpose of drawing your heart back to him. Now, there's other times, honestly, when we just have a spiritual enemy. Come on. I mean, right? When they first started and they faced opposition, that, that was just, that was living in the real world that we have a real enemy and he wants to do everything he can to stop our spiritual progress. So we have an enemy. Sometimes bad things will happen because the devil wants to mess with you. Other times, we just live in a sinful world. And bad things happen to good people. I'm sorry if you hadn't figured that out by now. I don't, you know, I'm here to tell you that bad things happen to followers of Jesus. But listen, so some of you are going, I'm so confused. So how do I know which it is? Oh, you know. You know how you know? Because you know where your heart is right now. Don't you? So you know whether or not you're trying to serve God. You know whether your heart is right and you're moving in the right direction. You keep messing up, just like me. You keep stumbling over yourself sometimes. You keep getting in the way. But your heart, your heart and God says, I love you. I'm proud of you. Come on, keep on keeping on. And there's other times when we go, God, forget you. The only reason I'm at church today is I'm here to visit. I mean, I don't want to be at church. I don't like church. I don't like church people. I don't like you. I have no intention of giving you my heart. I don't have to beat you up. You already know that. 
So basically, to get their attention, he cut off their supplies. Again, if you're a parent, this probably makes sense. Let's say that you got a kid's college age, and uh, you sit this child down before you send them off to school, and you say, look, man, I had to work my whole life, and I want to bless you, and, and God's blessed me, and we got money. And so here's the thing. I, don't, I want you to go to school. The only thing I want you to worry about at school is just your studies. So I'm going to send you money every week. You don't have to work. Just focus on your studies. And I'm going to send you money every week. You can go out to eat, get you some pizza. You know, I'm going to put gas in your car. I mean, I, I'm going to bless you. But what's, what's, let's say that, that in this process you find out that your child ain't been going to class on a regular basis like they should. They're not doing so well in school. And they're taking your money and they're smoking it up and they're drinking it up and they're partying all your money away. Let me ask you something. What would you do? I know what you should do. You take the money, don't you? You say, forget you. You ain't drinking my money up. You're not smoking my money up, right? You would cut off their supply, and that just makes sense. And that's what God did in this situation. So let's wrap this story up. Here's the beauty of the story. The beauty of the story is that God, he did get their hearts. Verse 18, I think, think about this 18th day of December the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Think carefully. I'm giving you a promise now while the seed is still in the barn. You ain't even planted it yet. You've not harvested yet. Your grain, your grapevines, fig trees, pomegranates, and olive trees have not yet produced their crops. But from this day onward, I'm going to bless you because you built me a nice house, and I needed one. I was looking for a nice house, and so you built me a nice house, and because you built me a house, that's not it. That's not it. It's because he finally said, he said, you know, I didn't care about the house. I mean, the house is just a house at the end of the day. What I always wanted was your heart, and that's what you give me. And that's all I've ever looked for. Maybe you're here this morning, and uh, you know how to play the game. By playing the game, you know how to you know, dress the right way, talk the right way. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, you know how to go to church. You know the right vernacular when you go to church. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You got all the words down. You look good. People look at you and go, wow, they look good. Listen, you know, maybe they pass the bucket and you always put a little money in. Nobody knows how much, but you always put a little money in, kind of with your chest out. I don't give on wine. I'm, God, I'm godly. I put it in the bucket, you know. So you got your thing, you're giving. You're serving people, see you serve, but you know what? You only, you're only giving, you're only serving to get. You're just playing a game. And you think you should be blessed because you're serving, because you're giving a little pocket change to God. No. He wants your heart. He wants your whole heart. He's crazy about you. He loves you so much. He proved his love. what he deserves it's not your money it's you are you going to be perfect that's why Jesus went to the cross because you can't be perfect he took care of that problem he was raised on the third day and he says I, I, I want to step into your life I want us to hang out I want you to start your morning me and you just hanging out 
Hey, I want us to walk through the day together, chatting, talking. I want your heart. So if you're here this morning, you're a follower of Jesus, but maybe somehow God showed up this morning and said, hmm, but I don't have your whole heart. If that's you, maybe where you are, you just bow your head, and maybe you just say, God, I'm so sorry. I missed it. Conditional obedience. Maybe you didn't even realize it. Maybe you didn't know that that's where you were. Maybe you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, but you know what? You'd say, I get the whole, I've planted much but harvested little. I actually get that. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus, but you would say, everything I've done to be happy, it's not been enough. It's just, it's just not been enough. And so I'm still looking, I'm still searching. And maybe this morning you just happen to be at the right place at the right time, the gospel presentation has been presented that God is crazy about you. Jesus fixed your sin problem. And he wants to step into your life. He, God, the creator of this universe, wants to step into your life and wants y'all to hang out and have fellowship, a relationship. And then it doesn't, nothing else matters after that because he's enough. So if you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, but you'd like to be, then maybe you'd pray a prayer or something like this. Maybe you just say, God, I admit that my way of life hasn't worked. I'm, I'm just going to confess it. You know, I'm, I'm not fulfilled. I'm not happy. I don't have any joy. I'm willing to admit it. And I'm willing to admit this morning, that, you know, you've got to be it. You, I don't know if I can explain it, but God, you just... think you're the one it's not the blessing God that I'm coming for it's the fact that you would love me unconditionally wow I can't imagine that kind of love so Jesus I'm asking that you forgive me of my sin and I'm asking you to be my savior to the best of my ability I'm just surrendering my life to you Father, uh, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Lord, I love your word so much, God. It, every time I read it, Lord, you show me something else. It's amazing. Lord, you do sometimes show me so much of me in it. <laughs> I used to read it and think, boy, those people were a bunch of losers. And then I read it and think, I am one of those people. And thank you that your love and your mercy and your grace never fails and never ends. Lord, wow, I just find myself in this moment right now where it's just me and you talking. And I do. So desire, I want you to have my whole heart. I don't want to hold back and I don't want to just serve you conditionally, Lord. Thank you for your love. You're amazing. And it's in your sweet name that we pray. If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Scott to accept Christ, um, inside the handout you got on the way in, there's a connection card. If you could just check the box that says, I accepted Christ and leave that at the information desk or we're gonna, have a response to, we're gonna have a response team down front immediately after the service. You can hand it to one of them. Also, if you're a first or second time guest, we would love if you do the same thing, just check the appropriate box and you can drop that off with someone at the information desk and 
we just want to say thank you. Make sure we follow up and make sure uh, you got what you needed this morning because we appreciate you being here. Um, this past week, as I mentioned earlier, we had a kids camp and uh, we had a, an amazing time, a lot of kids and uh, an amazing week. Y'all check out this video to kind of uh, recap some of it. Yeah. And so somewhere in the neighborhood of about 300 kids, 100 volunteers, and we're going to be following up with around 25-ish kids that indicated that they wanted to accept Christ. So an amazing week, an incredible week. If you've never been involved in that, make sure you you do that uh, next year. Uh, One quick announcement before we go. July 1st, only one service at 11 o'clock. Only one service at 11 o'clock. So if y'all just stay put in this service, You'll be good. That's, um, that's July 1st. Also, dads, we have um, some snacks and stuff in the lobby around the tool bench area, uh, and that's for you. Uh, happy Father's Day. If you have any, any more information, you can find that in the insert in the handout. Y'all have a great week. Thank you.